Hi, I'm Ollie Neal, and welcome to Staying Connected, part of the Equip Project podcast. Staying Connected is a 12-week series focusing particularly on those having to self-isolate because of the coronavirus pandemic. We're aware that being stuck at home can be lonely, so we hope that each short episode will remind Christians of their unity as members of the body of Christ. In each episode, we'll have a Bible reading, a short thought, a prayer, and a final song. This week, I'm going to be sharing some thoughts on a passage I've been greatly blessed by over the past couple of weeks, and that's John chapter 12, verses 1 to 11. So let's read that passage together. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honour. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with them. Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was already there, and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well, for on account of him many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. The darkness is beginning to close in. Jesus is nearing Jerusalem, nearing the city filled with hostile forces determined to harm him. The city outside which, just weeks later, he would be nailed to a cross alone and forsaken. But there's a calm before the storm, a moment of quiet with his dear friends Lazarus, Mary and Martha in the town of Bethany. Here there's a dinner given in Jesus' honour. Martha served and Lazarus, who just weeks earlier Jesus had raised from the dead, reclined at the table. And here for a moment, Jesus is surrounded by those whose hearts are loyal to him. It's like a little oasis of light amidst the oppressive darkness outside. Then Mary enters the scene. She comes with half a litre of pure nard, an expensive oriental perfume. This was likely the most valuable thing the family owned, and may also have been an heirloom passed from one generation to the next. It likely would have provided the family with financial security in the event of a crisis. Yet this is what Mary brings to Jesus, this precious thing, and she pours it out on his feet. Mark's gospel tells us that actually she broke the jar. She didn't hold any of it back. She gave it all. For the first time, Mary had found someone worthy of her everything. Not only that, but she also lets her hair down. And that would have been particularly shocking for those watching on. Women in those days would only let their hair down in the privacy of their own homes, surrounded by their family. 
So in this context, surrounded by a large group of men, to let her hair down was an act of great vulnerability. And then she begins to wipe his feet with her hair. Pastor Tim Keller points out that in that culture, even servants had the right not to have to deal with the shoes of their masters. This was an act of remarkable humility. Her hair, that symbol of a woman's glory, lay down at the feet of Christ. So what's going on here? What is Mary communicating by her actions? Well, this is a beautiful act of devotion and worship. In effect, Mary is saying, Lord, I give you the most valuable treasure I own. Take it, Lord. It's all yours. Lord, I let down my hair. I give you myself. I make myself vulnerable. I disregard what anyone else thinks. And I give myself wholly to you. Lord, I humble myself. I go to your feet. I lay down my glory to make much of you, to make your glory known. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. I love that. As Mary worships the Lord with pure, undivided devotion, those around her get to enjoy the fragrance it produces. And that's such a beautiful picture, isn't it? The effect of her worship rippling out to those around her. And how sweet that must have been to Christ himself. Yet in 2 Corinthians 2, the Apostle Paul writes these words. He says, For we are to guard the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one, we are an aroma that brings death. To the other, an aroma that brings life. You see, this aroma, this fragrance that brought delight to the Lord, also brought a frustration and a hostility from another, Judas, the betrayer. And his objection on the face of it, well, it seems like a respectable one. Why use up perfume in this way when we could have sold it and used the money to help the poor, he says. He maintains that his own interest is in some other worthy cause. Yet his words reveal an intense discomfort at seeing one so devoted to Jesus. And I think that's something that that I see in myself sometimes. If you see someone fully committed to Christ, fully devoted to him, sometimes there's a discomfort that comes with that. We sense our own inadequacy, our, our, our lack of devotion, and we become uncomfortable. You see, to Mary, Jesus was worth everything. She held nothing back. But to Judas, Jesus was worth nothing. Soon after this meal, he betrayed him for the price of a dead slave. His virtue signalling before the dinner guests was an attempt to make out that he was interested in some higher good. Yet actually what it revealed was his disregard for the Son of God. And the contrast couldn't be more stark, could it? We, We see a woman pouring herself out. And we see a man seeking after his own interest, intent to line his pockets with money meant for the poor. We see a heart given over and a heart turned in on itself. And Jesus steps in. I love this. Jesus steps in to shield the vulnerable from attack, and and he shields Mary, and he says, leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. 
You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Mary didn't want to wait for Jesus' burial. Maybe having seen him raise her brother from the dead a few weeks previously, she'd become convinced that even death itself couldn't hold this king. And therefore saving the perfume for his burial was unnecessary. Maybe she wanted Jesus to see her undivided love for him while he was still alive. Maybe she knew there'd always be an opportunity to look after the poor, but Jesus would be leaving them very soon. Whatever she knew or didn't know, this is clear. Mary loved Jesus deeply. And Jesus delighted in her worship and devotion. He knew her intentions. He knew her love. And whatever the people around them thought, well, it didn't really matter. But as I read this, I thought, why? Why did she love him so much? What motivated such an outpouring? Well, unlike Judas, she recognized how precious Christ was. She'd seen the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. She realized that he was the resurrection and the life, the one who would give anything for her and do anything for her. She realized how much he loved her, how devoted he was to her. She'd seen him weeping alongside her at her brother's tomb. She'd heard him speak words of eternal life. She'd literally seen him raise the dead. She knew he was God in flesh, and her response was this deep, deep love. As J.C. Ryle put it, greatly loved, she thought she could not show too much love in return. Having freely received, she freely gave. The passage closes with a glimpse once more of the darkness closing in. As the fragrance of this perfume still lingered in the air, the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus. His crime? Being raised from the dead. It was causing too many people to believe in Jesus. I just think that's a complete and utter tragedy. And all the more tragic when set alongside such a beautiful act of devotion. Mary gave herself up and poured herself out before Jesus because she was totally convinced he was worth everything. And the result of that was this beautiful aroma that filled the room. Yet as Ryle puts it, these proud men would not give way. They would rather commit a murder than throw down the arms of rebellion and confess themselves in the wrong. And what was the result? Well, the result of their pride was the stench of death. It's so ugly. This hard-heartedness, how ugly it is against the backdrop of a heart poured out. And so for us, what kind of fragrance are we producing with our lives? I wonder if Mary's actions make us feel a bit awkward and uncomfortable. Do we know what it is to worship Christ in this way? Or would we rather avoid that level of devotion by championing some other worthy but lesser cause? Or are we prepared to give our most valuable treasures, to give our very selves, and to lay down our glory before Jesus. Because the result will be that in a world of so much darkness, in a world that smells of death, 
a beautiful fragrance will fill the air and bring great delight to our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we delight in your precious, worthy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. As we see Mary bringing him her most valuable treasure, giving her very self, laying down her glory at his feet, O Lord, would we imitate her love and devotion. Lord, give us a sense of just how precious Christ is, the one who defends the vulnerable, the one who can raise the dead to life. He is worthy, Lord. May our lives produce a beautiful fragrance that brings you great joy, O Lord, and ripples out to a world that so often smells like death. We praise you, Father, in Jesus' precious, worthy name. Amen. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the
soul Love demise 